Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Who's Got Next podcast. Bryce Wyatt, Riley Shepard on this August 18th, 2020 edition. And I'm so glad to say that my friend, former teammate, high school football, Hayden Knighton, and now Florida Gator is joining us today. Hayden, thank you so much for being on. I appreciate you having me, man. All right. We have a lot to talk about today. A lot of basketball so that happened last night. We yeah, we delayed today's episode by one day because there were four great, great games on last night. Just the fact that there is real playoff NBA basketball on TV all day long, I think makes up for the lack of March Madness and... I'm just so excited. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it was so great. Like, it actually felt like March Madness in a way because it, there were games on all day. Like, turned on the TV at one o'clock, and games. The last game last night, Mavs and Clippers ended at eleven thirty. Yeah, it was great. And let's let's just do a little little rundown of every game from last night. Like I said, the Jazz Jazz <laughs> Nuggets started at one o'clock last night. Started off probably great, the best game. Great start. Might have been the best game, in my opinion. Was one of the best games of the NBA season so far. Oh, for sure. And Donovan Mitchell went off for 57 points. 19 for 33 from the field. 6 for 15 from three-point land. And a perfect 13 for 13 from the stripe. Still didn't come out with the W, though. That's crazy. Yeah, I think I saw... Point. I saw something the other day. It said uh, him and Michael Jordan are the only two players to uh, have 57 in game and still not win in the playoffs. I mean, what do you say? What do you say to your teammates? <laughs> like that sense you, you put it all like drop 57 points and you just don't win the game. Like you did everything in your power like, to help put yourself t- uh, your team in a s- situation to win and not come out. Like I don't know. And that just kind of shows you, honestly, I feel like a lot, a lot of NBA teams are kind of in this situation. And it's like, unless you have that one and two man, it's kind of mm-hmm. hard to really do much. Yeah. And, and yeah, and Donovan Mitchell is obviously the, especially on the offensive side of the ball, the most talented player on that Jazz team. And that, sure. and that series, you know, especially going to overtime, I, I still think the series is going seven games, but the Jazz had so many chances to come away with that W, especially in regulation. And then by the time overtime came, they they couldn't get it done. They were outscored 20 to 10, and Denver just could not miss from the field. They, they weren't shooting and making the shots when they really, really needed to. And that, you know... That's that's why Denver won. And they kind of, and and Jamal and him, Jamal and him, especially in the fourth, where it just seemed like they were going back, back and forth, back and forth. I mean, Jamal, Jamal ended up dropping thirty six, going six for nine from beyond the arc. But yeah, and I, I don't know if you guys saw this too, but I saw a video after the game. Um, this just, I love the NBA bubble, and and it was a. Uh, Jamal Murray saw Donovan Mitchell like just hanging out around the bubble and uh, was like, oh, this man just got 57. <laughs> like, it's kind of cool. I think that they can kind of just like hang out, see each other after the game, even though 
on opposing teams and, you know, one lost, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, and Jamal, you know, Jamal, especially in last year's playoffs, may not have, may not have came out the way he wanted to. And I, I mean, you can tell he was on, he was a man on a mission game one, <clears throat> just, you know, every time, every time down the court, just coming up with big shot and big shot, especially in the last six or seven minutes in the fourth. And, you know, hey, hey I kind of want to ask you this. I mean, we touched on it a little bit earlier, but yeah, we obviously being, being an athlete, if you, if you, if you have a great game and you still, still come up with the, end up still coming up with a, with a loss, like, what do you, how do you feel after the game? I mean, it, it's, that's actually a tough question because, you know, you obviously, you're so disappointed that you lost, but you're like, man, I've had a pretty good game and, like, you feel good about yourself in that sense. But then just honestly, though, taking, especially in the playoffs, I mean, granted, it's early on, they still have a bunch more games, but if it's, like, one and done and you lose that game, like, you just feel like I did everything in my power and just, like, like I said before with um, Donovan Mitchell about, like, you drop 57 points and lose, and then you just put left everything out in the court. What more can you do? And it's just – it's just definitely disappointing. I mean, you feel good about – you can't put anything against yourself. And, I mean, you got to try to make your teammates better, but you can only do so much. So Yeah, obviously, obviously would much rather much rather have the W, but like, – I mean, he had just about as many points as the rest of the team combined. <laughs> Like yeah. that just that just can't that just can't happen in the playoffs. Can't happen in the playoffs. Yeah. Especially when I mean these two teams are like you said it probably should go to seven games this series at least, you know. Um I just yeah, I definitely I I would be pissed, like very very pissed because in the regular season that's one thing and I mean Happens to Devin Booker almost every year. He has a game where he makes 60, 70, and then they still lose by, what, 30, 40? And it's like, that's fun, and Devin Booker got all those points and broke records. But when you're in the playoffs, that just can't can't happen. Yeah, and and to speak on Devin Booker a little bit, the, the NBA did come out with their, their bubble awards. And despite leading the – the Suns to an, a perfect eight no record. Devin Booker did not receive a single vote for bubble MVP, which ultimately went to Damian Lillard unanimously. And while I still think that Damian Lillard should have been the bubble MVP by far, twenty two people, the twenty two voters, all voted for him. And the fact that Devin Booker did not receive a single vote is is amazing is a disgrace in my yeah. opinion i mean he got 19 second place votes i guess i i i think uh i think devin booker played obviously incredibly well i agree with you though uh i think dame definitely should have gotten it uh and also, I don't know if they were thinking about it like this, but it could have something to do with the fact that the Blazers did get into that seeding game. Yeah, or did get into say. that playing game. And it's like, I, 
I, I definitely see the angle of, yeah, Devin Booker might have been the best player in the bubble right there with Dame. But he still couldn't get this team. I mean, they did all they could, but it's like I, I definitely think Dame obviously put his team in a better position to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? I was about to say the same, same thing. I mean, Damian Lillard, I mean, they had a better spot to make it into the playoffs. I mean, the Suns, they sticked and they still, you know, caught the short end of the stick um, with the new how the playoffs work and stuff. You had to be what was like a certain number of games behind. And, um, you know, I think that Damian, I mean, Devin Booker definitely played well enough, but. I don't know, I guess in the sense of, like, leading their team to playoffs, he's got to pick that guy. Yeah, and, I, and I, I'm going to – I I still think Devin Booker just needs to get out of Phoenix ASAP yeah. because, in all honesty, it's kind of a waste of a talent. As bad as that sounds, it's like I, – I get that they went 8-0 in the bubble, but you can't tell me they're going to play just as well as that next year all season. It's just not going to happen. And it's like – he needs to go. He needs to go somewhere else. Yeah, he's. I mean, he has been there. This this is his fifth season in Phoenix. Just that's the closest they've ever gotten, and they and, didn't even make it into the seeding game. Like, think about that. And yeah, first first time All Star this year, which, if you really think about it, is absurd with how For well sure. with how well he has been throughout his career. You know dropping 70 points as a 21, 22-year-old and being a one-time All-Star just because of the situation that he's in. You know, he Phoenix is not a winning organization, unfortunately. Not him. just that, it's small market. Small so market, yeah. when, when the when the All-Star ballots get voted on by the fans and all that stuff, it's like, of course he's not going to make it in as early as he probably should have because – Who's a Phoenix Suns fan? I couldn't name one. <laughs> like, I, I I don't know. I just I definitely think that he needs to get somewhere where he can put himself in a position to win because I don't know. I, I could see him on that Miami Heat team and I could see them winning the whole entire thing. Like that would be incredible. The the duo of of Devin Booker and Jimmy Butler would be would be a sight to see for sure. And they they'd have some shooters on that team. That, Devin that Booker, would... Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, yeah, Bam Adebayo, like that team would be stacked. Like that would be a lot of fun to watch. Not for me. That would not be fun for me. I do not want that to happen. And I mean, and yeah, I guess brutal. <laughs> Depends on perspective. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of Jimmy Butler and the and his former team, and unfortunately, Hayden's team in, in Philly. Team in Philly did not come out with the win last night against the Boston Celtics. I'm, I'm very sorry to say that. Mm-hmm. But close you know, one. without, without Ben close Simmons, one. you guys did compete. It was an eight-point game, and you guys had the lead going into the fourth quarter. You know, the thing is, like I said, I really think even if we did have Ben Simmons, that it might have been a little bit better towards the end, but I still think that until we get rid of Brett Brown and until we get some more key players around Embiid and Simmons, that it's just going to be the same thing year in and year out. Um, is there is there any way that Brett Brown saves his job in this in this 
playoffs. Like he, like we were talking before about him saying, "Oh, I didn't have Ben Simmons. I could possibly save him." But in my opinion, I don't think it should be valid for how he played throughout the bubble. You know, losing to the a lot of teams that we shouldn't have lost to. Ooh. Sorry, I'm watching this game. Giannis just slammed it, and and, and we and we are we are recording at one thirty. So the Bucks and Magic game is on right now, but no. And and the thing is, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid is is one of the best duos in the league, no doubt. When it comes to talent, they are one of the most talented duos in the league. Who who would you rather keep? If you were if you were the GM for the 76ers going forward. <sighs> I mean, right now I'd have to probably say Joel Embiid. Yeah. You no, know, I don't know if that's the most famous answer, if a lot of people agree with that, but that's I think Joel Embiid has been very consistent in some sense. Um, towards the beginning of the bubble, I know he was killing it and then kind of everything just kind of spun off the wheels. Um, ben Simmons went down. And the thing with Ben Simmons that I just can't be fully invested is that he still is struggling with his jump shot, you know? And th- that's exactly what I was going to say. I totally agree with you, Hayden. I like I would 100% pick Joel Embiid. I, we've talked about this on the show before. Like, I, I feel as though if Ben Simmons could get that shot, I think mm-hmm. I would definitely choose Ben Simmons. Yeah. But – because he can't do that and he works so hard and he's doing all this stuff and he's finally making a three, he shows a little bit of hope, but then still just can't do it. I'm, I'm not sold on Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. And I think that your guys' best chance going down the road um, to be successful is to shop him out, shop him out and get someone else. Yeah. Honestly, get Devin Booker. Yeah. <laughs> he, he can make some shots. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing is that Ben Simmons is – extremely talented there's mm-hmm. no no denying that he's arguably the best perimeter defender in the nba one of the best playmakers in the nba but it's just the jump shot and if he if he could pull that together and i i still don't know what is going on and, and it has to be a confidence and mental thing at this point because it's been multiple years that there's been no outside game for him but you still have to think that he he is still extremely talented and he still has brought this philadelphia team they are they are competitive yeah he just hasn't taken the next step which is very unfortunate but joel you know it's it's the health for me with him and and this this Mm -hmm. has to be very frustrating being a being a 76ers fan oh for sure Having having arguably the two best, two of the best players at their position, and, for sure, and still not. I mean, last year, last year with with Kawhi hitting that shot over you guys, I don't want, oh I don't God. mean to bring back oh, memories, yeah, but I, I remember watching that in my living room and my heart just completely <laughs> dropped. But and, and I think the thing is like sorry to interrupt, but that going into that game and like seeing going into Game Seven, I'm like, this is our chance and. That that really took everything out because then losing Jimmy Butler in the offseason and then kind of just making no big moves other than Al Horford, which I, I really, again, I think he was an older guy that we really didn't necessarily need at the time. And, and uh, 
Let's go ahead and talk about my man, uh, Fred Van Vliet, there in Toronto last <laughs> night. He uh, 15 three-pointers. He either made eight, and then he assisted on seven. And then he tied a franchise record for um, – franchise record with 22 three-pointers set earlier against Washington. He went – off last night and he kind of picked up right where he left off from last playoffs i'm ready i'm ready for him to really become a big star in this league but playoff playoff ready is a real thing he like you said had 30 points 11 assists led led both teams in scoring and toronto came out with a big w even though it did it did get a little bit more competitive towards the end but in the in the fourth toronto ended up outscoring the Nets, 39 to 24. This series, I don't foresee. I, I would I would have to say this is the one series out of any of them that is probably going to be the most one-sided. Um, the Brooklyn Nets have their, like, C squad out there right now. <laughs> and it's, it's just unfortunate. It's just not their year. I personally think Toronto has a I, – I think they're the best team in the East right now even above the the Bucks, I think that they have a really, really good shot to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals and then to even repeat and make it to the Finals. Yeah, the, the Toronto Raptors are – the depth is what, what is – Unparalleled. So, is, so, like, is what is so – You don't see that in the NBA. You have teams with two – one to two big stars, like we were just even saying with 76ers and even the Lakers and the Nuggets. It's a two-man show. But here with the, with the Raptors, you have four or five players who can consistently make an impact on this team. And I think that's what sets them apart from really any, any team in the NBA playoffs right now. We've, we've talked about our, our favorites in these playoffs Curious. I'm curious to see who's who yours is, Hayden. And I know you're. I know you are an NBA fan. Mm-hmm. Um, who, who is? Who are your favorites going into these playoffs? Especially after watching all the bubble games and everything. So Damian Lillard. I mean, a lot of people picked them to beat the upset the Lakers. I'm with you. I mean, I I want to say yet because I'm honestly I just I just don't like LeBron. Um, I don't, I don't want to be like LeBron hater, but I low-key am. So, no, that would, be, that would be nice for me to see LeBron go down. But then again, I look at the, the Lakers and their team from Dwight Howard and, and Danny Green and all them. Like, they have – they definitely have a championship team. So, I definitely think the winners definitely come out of the West, whether it's the Rockets or um, Trailblazers. Um it- the West, the West is especially going into these playoffs. The West is stacked. Yeah. Even even last night, you know the the Mavs and Clippers game. That was that might have been the most drama filled game of the night, mm-hmm. especially with with Kristaps getting oh, yeah, ejected. ejected. That's an insane call. That that was ridiculous. I just want to say, I think the whole game. I don't know if either you watch the whole thing, but it was about five minutes straight back, back to back, foul, 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 foul. And it was all ticky tack. Mm -hmm. I just hate that. I hate those little like, Oh, you barely skimmed my shirt and it's going to be a foul. Like, I just don't get it. 
And then you have Porzingis, who definitely shouldn't have been ejected. He, I mean, I, I just think the whole thing was ridiculous. But I, as, as far as that series go, I think it's going to be maybe a little bit closer than people think, especially if Porzingis can obviously not get in foul trouble down the road. I think that he had, what, I think 14 or 18 points before he got ejected, and they were up for a while. Um, although, I think this Clippers team just might be there in the finals as well. So, I don't know. Yeah, and I think all four, all four series out west, especially with now the Trailblazers being the eighth seed, they might be the best eight seed ever going yeah. into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And well, know, they're not, they're not, they're not your eight seed. Like they, they're really like a four or a five seed that is like disguised as an eight seed right now. Like I. I think they have a legitimate shot to upset the Lakers there in that in that series. Yeah, and people forget that this team this team made the Western Conference Finals last year. Mm-hmm. They did end up getting blown out mm-hmm. by the Warriors, but they made the Western Conference Finals and and they were a three seed, if I'm not mistaken, going into those playoffs. But they were also healthy. You know, getting Yusuf Nurkic back, getting Zach Collins back after having them both out either for all of all of the season or a majority of the season, that's huge for mm-hmm. them going into these and, playoffs. And even he might not be the flashiest player or whatever on this team, but even the addition of Melo, like I think not only I don't think Melo is the best player on that team by any means, obviously, but I think he finally has found his role. Absolutely. He's always he's always had that, like, I'm going to be the star of the team. Like, I'm going to carry this team. That's just, that's just not him. That's just not – he's not that guy. And I think now this role in Portland, with him being the third, maybe even fourth man on that team, like, it's perfect for him. And he, he even said it – Dame's the best player he's ever played with, period. And I I would definitely have to agree with that as well. I, I think that he's found his role, he's found his place on a team, and it just so happens to be these trailblazers. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch him against LeBron. And I, I just think that, that that's the series I would have to say I'm most excited for going down the stretch. For sure. Yeah, and, and to touch on to touch on Carmelo a little bit more. You know, because he he usually was the best player on whatever team he was on. And I think it was hard for him to admit that, you know, for Mm -hmm. a majority of his career, especially towards the end these last four or five years where he was, you know, declining, obviously, as father father time is undefeated. But but, you know, this year, like you said, he found a role and and. You know, watching these these trailblazer games, there's no denying that he's not scared of the moment. You know, he hits he hits clutch shots basically every oh, game down the stretch regularly. Yeah, and I mean, he had he had 21 points in the game the other night, dude. Like, he's still like I said, yeah. I just I just don't think his role is ever going to be the star of a team anymore, and I think that's good for him. He's, you know. They got, they got, that team has, 
four or five players who are like studs, 20 points, 19 points. Like if they continue to shoot like they do, here's, here's the thing about that series though. They don't have any defense period. None. (laughs) And that's, that's perfect for the Lakers. Perfect. Because the Lakers have little to no offense. So if, if the blade and the blazers have all offense, so it's going to be very interesting to see. I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm really excited going forward. There, it's going to be a very, very high scoring series, in my opinion, and which is which is good. You know, the the NBA is obviously adapting towards that, and the series is going to be perfect for that. Mm-hmm. You know, bringing that bringing that to college college football in a, in a way. The SEC, SEC has released their their 2020 schedule, completely interconference games. And Hayden, to bring this to bring this to you, how have you guys had to kind of change your approach to the season with the with the SEC coming um, out with, with the college football season this year? Yeah, um, I mean, honestly. Since it's my first season, I can't really see if they change the difference. Obviously, with everything going on, different protocols in place to keep us safe. Um, so that's a big. That's been the biggest adjustment for us. But other than that, I mean, you know, right now it's just all install. We're all learning right now. We got some new. And, and I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, no, we've got some like out. We have a couple new players, and um, so I mean, a lot of these incoming freshmen like us are just learning the playbook and trying to get ready but i mean slowly just amping up we're in uh doing some intensity you know we're not in full pads yet but we're still like you know getting after it so i don't know we're just taking one day at a time you know our first game is against Ole miss that should be exciting right now it's just really training getting ready for the whole season as a whole yeah and i i personally love it like i i grew up a gators fan still I won't miss a game. Like I, I love SEC football and the fact that they're going all in conference. I think they should do it from forever from here on out. Mm-hmm. Personally, I think that intensifies Florida's schedule. To be honest, yeah. If you really looked at who they were slated to play, um, and then you go ahead and add a Texas A&M away game, who Texas A&M is supposed to be extremely competitive next year, second year under Jimbo Fisher. You, you, you just have more. Yeah, I mean, but you also have an Arkansas team that shouldn't be that great, and you have a Ole Miss team that shouldn't really be that great. But it's SEC football. It's better than playing the school of the blind from Alabama. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I'm really excited about this. Uh, I, I think that you, if you, if anyone misses an SEC football game this next year, they're crazy. Like it's going to be the only conference, honestly, worth worth watching, mm-hmm. other other than our UCF Knights. But and how and with the they have they haven't came out with exactly what the capacity for the stadiums will be, but we, we all know it's not going to be full capacity. So how yeah. how if if that'll change anything, you know, with the you know usually having. 80, 90,000 fans. Obviously, this being your first year and you haven't act, exactly experienced that yet, but mm-hmm. how have your, you know, maybe your teammates, have, have they really addressed that, how that, that might affect them in I mean, these games at all? 
that's that's gonna be the interesting part is really well i mean i've been to uh my visit i went for florida state game and it's an electric feeling you know having all mm-hmm. 80 90, 000, you know just cheering and getting loud it's definitely i mean shoot we they practice it all the time in practice of having that crowd noise you know and adjusting and like you have different cadences they have to go off of since it's so loud and it will definitely be interesting to see with no fans how that will affect the game. I mean, I think it'll just make it more just football, you know, no real home field advantage, and whoever team is better is the better team, you know. So it will be interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I really none of the four, uh, none of the other players have really talked about it, but I think they definitely agree that it will be different and no yeah, and, home I mean, field advantage. We've we've seen how how that's affected, you know. NBA games, you know, ref- referees are hearing everything players have been saying, you know, that usually they can get away with, with, you know, crowd noise and everything. And, mm-hmm. and football is definitely a different feel, you know, between, mm-hmm. between every whistle, you know, something's being said, especially with how physical it is. Mm-hmm. But, you know, your, your journey was definitely different from a lot of college athletes. Yeah. You know, if, if you don't mind just giving, Giving everyone, you know, a little, little summary of how, how you ended up, you know, in Gainesville as a, as a, you know, technically, a, you know, a freshman, but mm. you know, going to a, to a prep school for a year. Yeah. So basically, now uh, coming out of high school, I had some FCS offers, um, you know, from like the Patriot League, and I had some lower tier FBS offers, but. With recruiting, how it is, it's always hit or miss. You know, they can be contacting you one day and then, you know, completely change your plans. So, it's it's a tough it's a tough deal for a lot of kids. I know a lot of high schoolers that go through this, and it's it's long, it's tiring, and a lot of pressure. But after my high school year, I decided that I was going to do a prep school year, which is basically. Another year of high school, but doesn't go against the eligibility. So if I went to a JUCO, then that would be starting my NCAA clock. I know if, if I do one year at a JUCO, it takes my year off of going to like an FBS school. But going to a prep school, you still have those four years. And luckily for me is that I only had to do one semester. So the courses were like basically another one that you could add on to your GPA. And um, I went to a military school, so, you know, that was – Definitely great for just building, um, you know, like leadership and going through mm-hmm. adversity, um, being organized. I mean, the whole the whole deal. Um, but yes, yeah, so I only went for one semester, and then I would have been going through spring ball, but you know, with everything that happened, but a little bit of the winter off season, I got more comfortable with going to a different school and everything, and it worked out well. And then Florida came into the process um, actually right before I went to Fort Ian. You know, they wanted me to actually come for that fall, but I decided to, you know, wait. I mean, I didn't really want to just jump right into it. I wanted to visit and stuff. Um, so I went to Fort Union. After I was done there, I went to uh, visit for the Florida State game and fell in love with the school after that and then enrolled in January. Yeah, and, and the main question that I that I really want because you did you did touch on you did touch on JUCO a little bit. Yeah. 
you know, how – and obviously Last Chance You is like, one of my favorite shows. Yeah. By far. And, and Great yeah, show. They, Definitely. they touch on that quite a bit, you know. These kids are trying to get out as soon as possible so they, they don't you, lose those years of eligibility. So how mm-hmm. how is that, you know, how if, – if you – how would you how would you give advice to you know these players coming out of high school that may not you know be getting the offers that they feel like they deserve? Mm-hmm. Would you would you recommend going the prep school route or the JUCO route, or it just really depends on the player and their you know situation? Yeah, well, that's actually a great question because I honestly was looking at some JUCOs before I did go to the prep school, and for me it was like I didn't really have enough information on these JUCOs that I was looking at. Um, one I was looking at was like in Kansas and it was just very, I was looking at facilities and my biggest it, thing it, was actually. It didn't happen to be independence from season three and four of last yeah. chance you'd no. Yeah. Um, this was a different one. It's called Force Scott. I actually played independence though. Uh, uh, the one I was looking at, but mm. my biggest thing is actually you do want to look at the coach and how many times they've consistently sent players to big-time programs. Um, so that was the biggest thing is, like, doing your research. And with Forky, and I just looked at it. They The year before I got there, they sent a kid to TCU, a kid to um, – I'm blanking on them a little bit right now. Uh, but just consistently sending them to D1, FBS, or FCS schools. And that's how, and then I finally visited, you know, met the coach and stuff, and I felt comfortable. And then, honestly, the the eligibility thing is kind of just the plus side of looking at prep schools compared to JUCO, but not to say that going JUCO is the worst thing to happen. I mean, you do lose one year, but if you're guaranteed, I think another thing about JUCO actually too is that when you're transferring out of a JUCO to a big time college they're more likely to play or start you because they they see you play mm. against um other kids that are like falling out of an FBS school that got in trouble or something and you're playing against consistently high talent compared to prep schools it's more we played some like D2 teams um and like other prep schools that are mostly freshmen yeah yeah and and you know Going to going to UF after after a semester is is great. And how how else has did you know going to Fort Union? You, you touch on it being a military school and it you know preparing you to be a leader. You know how else did that going there especially as you know military military school is I'm sure was intense in its own yeah in its own way. You know how how is that different from transferring to transferring to UF, you know, just when it comes to football, you know, academics mm-hmm. and everything like that. Um, yeah. So I fork in, you know, waking up every day, no matter uh, Saturday. Well, actually during football camp, we, it was every day at five 30, we'd wake up, um, <laughs> go to practice, <laughs> breakfast. And then I'm not going to get into the whole thing. Basically every day you're set with a schedule that you got to be here. Yeah. You got to be there. It was very strict, and um, granted, the college football schedule is very intense as well, but not in the spot where it's like, at 14, they're just finding you with busy work. I mean, you're cleaning your rooms, you're doing uh, 
taking out the garbage for like your hallway or shining your boots and stuff. It's intense, real military. Oh, wow. So yeah, and then and it was just long days. So being here, you know, it's like I have a certain amount of free time. It's just nice to have free time because at fourteen, I didn't even know what free time was. Like I was yeah. constantly doing something. And, yeah. It's made me more organized. It's made me more um, like going through adversity here. If something happens, you know, I'm just like, man, I was at fourteen. It could be way worse right now. So yeah, so it's definitely nice to be going from fourteen and just look at that's as worse as it can be. And I'm not trying to put them down, but I'm saying it's just really yeah. And, and I'm sure it's it's prepared you especially you know going going to uf you know they you know they they do call it the the harvard of florida for a reason i'm sure i'm sure that's prepared you so much for for the academics at at uf how Mm. how has that been you you, you've obviously only been there a semester but how is how is that how is the workload especially in the classroom been there yeah it's i mean i'm taking some uh i'm a sports management uh major right now so Oh wow! Um, yeah, I've taken some like math classes, and uh, actually, compared to like at Fortean, where we had to be in class for like seven hours a day, like it was insane. It was from I think nine thirty to basically like or not nine thirty, sorry, like seven thirty to like two thirty. But it was like the same class. You're sitting in that same class, no switching or anything. Uh, the way they did it was like six weeks of like one class and then you would switch. It was, uh, it was really confusing, but here, like, you know, you're taking different classes and it's like you're meeting your class once a week and then it's kind of spread out where you can do a certain amount of work, which is nice for me. It's because it's like not too overwhelming. Yeah. It's definitely challenging, but here they give you so much help with tutoring and, um, our academic yeah. building here is phenomenal. So they give you the resources to prepare. And, uh, yeah, and I'm sure being online would help a little oh, bit yeah. too as well. Uh, definitely lighten the workload a little bit, mm-hmm. make it easier so you're not running all over the place. Yeah. Um, is there any way uh, you could kind of touch a little bit on uh, the system Dan Mullen's got put there? I love Dan Mullen as a mm-hmm. coach just from a fan's perspective. Yeah. Um, I, I think that one of the best in the SEC by far, and uh, I, I'm just kind of curious of like how he kind of runs the program. No, he's he's an awesome guy. He's a real like he's like our basically our dad. You know, he's a family guy. Like he yeah. is really close with the players. He's always asking us, and like even if you're not really interacting with them, he'll know your name and like. He does oversee a lot of what we do. Um, I don't work with him as much. He's more with the quarterbacks and kind of just watching everybody practice. But, no, he's, like, he's an awesome coach, and he really wants the best out of us. And that's the thing. It's, like, he just wants us to be the best player we can be, you know, and, like, carry on the tradition sure. of being a Florida Gator, which is truly an honor. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's that's the one thing he does the best from like I said from a fan's perspective, watching all these coaches come after Urban Meyer, none of them truly understood like what the Gator standard was. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jim Jim McElwain wanted to put up banners for SEC East championships. Like that's right. a joke from 
a Florida Gators perspective. Like if you're not winning the SEC, winning the SEC every year and competing to be in a national championship, then you don't need to be there, you know? And and how was it, you know, going to a going to a very, you know, winning culture as the, the Gators are a very winning culture? Was that really like asserted into you right away as soon as you stepped on campus? Um Yeah, I mean that's what they constantly demand your best. I mean, working with Coach Savage and uh our head strength coach, you know, from the classroom to the workouts to the football field they constantly you're constantly competing against yourself against the guy next to you just to be better and um they don't take nothing less than that you know but if they don't if they see it they'll call you out for it which is it's nice because they want you to be better and i mean shoot like if you're not if you're not doing that then yeah and and Exactly. And you know, going from you moved you moved from Pennsylvania down to Florida your sophomore year, if I'm not uh, yeah, my my junior year. Your junior year. And yeah. how how was the transition from you know playing football up there to Florida, you know? I'm sure it was they, they were different in their own ways. And yeah, then... so I mean for the high school perspective at least, like the northeast is very I don't the different type of athletes, at least, like more bigger and bulky. Um, but then you come down here, and it's a lot of speed and uh, just different styles. I guess it's kind of more intense down here, but up north, it's more – I wouldn't say organized in a sense. This is speaking from the high school perspective. Um, yeah, I mean you- – you almost have to be bigger and bulkier for that for that weather. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, need that those extra layers for sure. Especially coming from so coming from Virginia last um, last fall and coming down here for this fall, it's like like today during camp, it's just like so hot out. Like I'm getting like the worst farmer's tan too because my freaking. <laughs> it, it's yeah, it's no joke down here. Definitely. Yeah, and. Do you guys uh oops, go ahead, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just kind of curious. I know the facilities there at uh the University of Florida are just incredible mm-hmm. and they they recently don't they have the new indoor practice facility and everything. Uh do do you guys typically play in that or do you do you stay outside most of the time? Um So they're actually well, yeah, we do have an indoor, but the new I don't know if you're talking about the new facilities they're about to build. That won't be done till I think sometime next year. But yeah, for our indoor um it's kind of a mix of both. They try to keep, like, I mean, obviously they want you out in the sun and getting the heat and stuff and getting acclimated, but they do try to take care of us and get us inside the um for some parts. That makes sense, especially it's especially the, the middle of the middle of the summer summer days. Don't need anybody passing out or anything like that. Oh uh, yeah, but you know, no. I I also wanted to touch on you, you know. Just to, just to touch on what we were talking about a little bit ago, you know, you did play for three different high schools. Mm-hmm. You know, played football for three different high schools throughout your four-year tenure. And, yeah. you know, that, that that really has become, you know, prevalent in high school athletics now. And, 
you know, you did, you were, you were fortunate enough to stay with the same coach your junior and senior year, your same head coach. Yeah. And, you know, going from North Fort Myers, which from where, from our area, you know, Southwest Florida, that is a huge football powerhouse, you know, sending, sending players D1 basically every year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my main question is, you know, how is, how has that, you know, really, especially in football, how has that changed, you know, the high school athletics in a way, how players are transferring out every, every few years, you know, trying to get into different, different situations. So they are able to go D1, D2 mm-hmm. and get the offers they want. Um, you know, well, the thing that kind of makes it interesting down here is that you have school choice. And up north, see, like, that. I mean, you do have some um, private schools that do have some transfers here and there, but it's not as, like, in Florida, you will have every year some kids transferring to there and this place and that place. And um, it does, I mean, sometimes it's a valid, like, for me, going from North from Myers to Oasis, that was the best decision for me because I – was new to the area for my junior year. I was most comfortable with Coach Graham. He stepped down. I didn't know who the new coach was going to be at um, North Myers. And I knew that Coach Mitchell was leaving to Oasis, so I just felt most comfortable with sticking with him. You know, we had uh, gotten along great at North Myers. So, um, I, I mean, it, there's some positives and then there's some negatives. You know, because you don't – some people, I don't – you just got to stick it out sometimes. But then that's not always the case that you're just trying to stick it out, that it might just be the best decision for you to leave. So, I can see it from both ways, you know. Yeah, and, and you know, it obviously ended up working out for you. You know, you, you're now at, now at UF after, after you know, just, you know, a year or a semester you know, mm-hmm. at, a, at a prep school. But – you know, some players, it obviously doesn't work out, but, you know, what would you, like, how would you re- suggest or give advice to, you know, those players that may not think they're, they might, may not be getting the looks they want because they may be at a smaller score, their team isn't, you know, competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, just honestly talking with your head coach about setting up a plan, and then if you don't have that head coach, you know, try to just re- Twitter and like it's the most grueling process because you will go through so many coaches on Twitter and half of them don't even answer and you're like dang am I even good enough am I even this or am I that and you just can't get down on yourself and you just gotta keep keep shooting out the mass text and hopefully trying to find that coach that finally watches your film because I mean it really just takes one you know one interest from one school and that another school will say, wow, that kid got offered by so-and-so, and then it starts uh, picking up. But, yeah, I mean, it's just looking out for yourself and try to just do everything that you can control, you know, get bigger, get faster, get stronger, yeah. and just try to let everything take its course. Yeah. yeah do, you, do you have any, any, any more questions, Brian, before we, before we close out? No, no. It, it was great to have you on. I, I love hearing this, you know, type of perspective, mm-hmm. uh, especially from from a Florida Gator. Like I, I grew up 
idolizing the Gators. So it's like super cool to be able to, you know, sit down and have this conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate you guys having me, man. Yeah. Thank you so much. That'll do it for today's episode. We will be back next Monday, bringing you the best in sports and music in one show. Again, thank you so much, Hayden, just, uh, Hayden for being on. Oh. And just a little update: the uh, Orlando Magic are meeting the beating the Milwaukee Bucks by fifteen oh, wow. with six minutes left in the second half. So let's go Magic! Right? <laughs> let's let's go Magic! We will see you all next Monday.